Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Legacy Quest podcast. Today, I have an awesome, awesome guest all the way from the far west side of this continent, a man who is starting a new adventure in his life and in ch- changing the direction of the blue collar world by highlighting that blue collar world. Today, I have Dylan Moisker on the podcast. Um, he is a trade certificate in landscape construction. He has been in the trades for approximately seven years, first in building maintenance and then in landscape construction. Now he owns his own business in content creation, videography and photography. And he has been his passion for a number of years. And now, now He's making it his full-time job. He is embarking on a new dream, a new vision for his life. I saw this guy on LinkedIn. I saw him promoting some really good thoughts about the blue-collar world and trying to highlight it in such a way to give people hope and to move initiatives forward, knowing that this blue-collar world, the trades, is a great place to be, to build a hope, to build a future for your family and to grow. And so, Dylan, welcome to the Legacy Quest podcast. Uh, what time of the morning is it for you to be on this path? I want everyone to know what you have done to yourself. <laughs> uh, thanks for having me on, Michael. I really appreciate it. Um, it's seven o'clock in the morning here. Um, my my daughter typically gets up at, you know, six-ish. Um, she's uh, 15 months old. Aww. So it's uh, it's not a it's not an uncommon occurrence for me to get up early, so it's it's totally okay. And it's it honestly, when I get up in the morning, early earlier in the morning, I feel more productive during the day. So, yeah, it's a it's a good start. So, well, I I was glad to help and, and be there for you in that way. <laughs> I appreciate it. I tell you, you know, the little ones. I have a a fifteen year old and an eighteen year old, and both girls, and they're the greatest legacy that I'll ever leave behind. Uh, in this world. And it's the greatest thing that ever gave me purpose. And so congratulations on being a dad and having a, a, a little one. Is she yeah, your only one? Uh, she is. Uh, my wife is actually due next Friday with our second. So, oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's outstanding. Awesome. Wow. Yeah, they will be, so. de- they will be like twins almost. Um, I'm very excited. Very excited. And it's a boy too. So uh, yeah, I'm stoked. Oh. Oh yeah, good yeah. for you, man. I'm very happy for you. So, yeah. Dylan, let's talk about your journey and and kind of what got you here to, like, taking that plunge to start your own business. Because right now in the world, especially where you are, uh, the the world is kind of a crazy place. And to you know, we started this business right in the height of COVID, mm. and it just seemed like it just seems like there's never a great time to start a new business. And this is one of those situations where you've decided to do that. And it's been, um, I'm sure, a challenge for you. So let's first start about your blue collar journey and where that started. Sure. So I, I'll take it all the way back to like my grade 12 years. Um, so when I was going through high school, I, you know, I tell this story to everyone. And it's kind of the reason why I get fired up about it is because I wasn't an academic in school. I was, you know, I, I liked working with my hands. I wasn't good at, you know, the, the university courses that everyone was like, Oh, you got to go to university. You got to go to university. That's how you're going to be successful. You know, be, you know, do something that you like, like 
be a teacher or something. And that's often the, 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 uh, the solution um, going into university is, you know, if you go to university, you're going to be successful. For myself, I was like, I, I really, it doesn't appeal to me, but I guess if people are pushing, like the only pathway that I really had was to go to university. Yeah. So I went there, I, I, I did a bridging course for three months because I didn't actually get the, get the grades that I needed in high school to get into university. So I did it for three months. I was like, this is, this is not cool. Like I'm, I can't do this for another four years. Mm. So I, 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 I finished the courses that I had just because I was there. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to do it. going to, I'm going to finish it just so I have it. Um, and then I, I started working in uh, building maintenance with, uh, with someone from someone from our church. And I, I got my landscaping apprenticeship through that. Uh, and so, yeah, in Australia, I got my, 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 I don't know, red seal ticket, I guess you can call it um, the equivalent for landscape construction and horticulture. And then, uh yeah i worked there for four years and then i moved to british columbia sorry this is in australia yeah so, i just heard that i was right. gonna say something but i didn't want to interrupt you you're going so well no it's uh i was i was born in ontario and then my family moved to perth western australia when i was seven so i, I pretty much grew up there and then i moved back to british columbia uh, five years ago so that was that was kind of my journey coming out of school and i i felt quite pushed to go to university and you know, I, I was, I was, uh, you know, making a good living in, in the trades. And it's funny because one of my teachers who I, who used to teach me came up to me and he's like, Hey, so how's university going? I was like, well, I, I dropped out. Like, I, well, I didn't end up going to university to be a teacher. He's like, Oh, that's kind of disappointing. And I'm like, well, <laughs> sorry, man. I, I can't, I can't be forced to be an academic. Like I like working with my hands. So I'm going to go, um, work in the trades and I loved it worked there for four four years and then I moved to uh, British Columbia and I got a landscaping job right away I started as a as a laborer and by the time I left there I was a foreman leading a crew working on big job sites like hundred thousand dollar job sites like it's it was it was a great company to work for the 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 boss really focused on culture and you know caring about his guys so that for for me, that was something that was that was a really great experience to go through and be like, hey, this is what it means to be in the in the trades industry. Like, if if you have a if you have a great boss that that um, really fosters uh, culture, then um, it it means it means the world to the employees, and they'll give back to you know they'll give back to that employee uh, that employer. Um, so yeah, that's kind of my journey in the in the blue collar world. Um, and then when I when I finished there, I I told my boss I gave him six months notice. I'm like, hey, this is kind of my plan for what I want to do because I I when I moved to BC, I got into photography and hiking and because it's just a beautiful province here. Oh, so yeah, I started, lots like, a lot I'm, of that to do. A lot of yeah. just the best hiking in the world has to offer right there. I backpacked oh. in Washington many times. Yeah, uh, been on the hoe and Appleton. Um, and um been up to elk lake and glacier meadow and those places and then just beyond that obviously is vancouver and the area bc that you're in holy yeah. cow endless yeah. amounts of beauty it is beauty and it's all it's all so close together like people people kind of joke about the the opportunities that there are in vancouver it's like if you really wanted to you could go snowboarding in the morning and surfing in the afternoon right like there's so <laughs> many things that are just cram packed into into this area um so yeah that's kind of how my photography journey started 
um, started taking photos of landscapes, um, loved it. I, I sold a couple of prints. I was like, hey, this is kind of cool. Get some money for it. Um, and then my wife was like, hey, why don't you try taking photos of people like portraits and family photos and weddings and stuff like that. So I dabbled in that for a little bit. And I was just like, this just it's just not my niche. Like I just can't, yeah. I can't get fired up about this. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done then, that as well, by the way. Yeah. Okay. I had a little photography <laughs> business there for a while. And yeah. uh, the wedding thing is just soulless. It sucks so bad. Oh, it's, for, for myself, like there are, there are people who love doing it and hats off to them. Um, Absolutely. For myself, it was just like, I, I, I couldn't handle it. And, and the amount of photographers like wedding photographers especially in in the fraser valley here is just like there's tons of them like videographers uh photographers like there there's a dime a dozen so for myself i was like they have their niche they they love what they're doing they're crushing it for myself i'm like i gotta i gotta do something that i'm passionate about or else i'm not going to enjoy (laughs) the work that i'm doing so yeah i stumbled across I, I got on LinkedIn and someone had told one of my good friends, he's like, Oh, you got to get on LinkedIn. I was like, you know what? Absolutely. Whatever. I'll, I'll start a, I'll start a profile there, see what comes of it. So I started it about a year ago and I never really focused too much on it. And then I started reading more stuff about it and they're like, LinkedIn is the, you know, the place to make connections and stuff. So I was like, okay, I'll start investing a little more time in it. And as soon as I did that, the you're reaping the rewards because as soon as you start networking and making connections like and and it's like it's it's not just around your little area it's you know cross-continental connections and for myself that's been huge being able to to contact guys like Forrest and like uh uh, Daniel Yates as well down in the state and uh reaching out to Aaron Witt like when I when I stumbled across Aaron Witt's LinkedIn and started scrolling through what he was doing I was like oh man this guy is killing it oh yeah and what what he was doing got me super fired up. I was like, well, I don't, I don't think there's really anyone that's doing that here in the Fraser Valley. Like there might be a couple businesses like marketing agencies that dabble in it a little bit, but they kind of do everything. But like Aaron specifically niches in making the dirt world a better place. And for myself, I was like, that's a great mission. I, I can really get behind that. So he's actually the inspiration for why I, I started what I, what I have. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of the backstory behind it. I'm I'm also in a unique position. I I work and live at a Bible camp with my wife. So it's it's given me a great opportunity. It's a part-time job. So I I can live on the property, but I can also invest a lot of time into starting and running my business. So it's given me a nice runway. We've got a contract for five years up here. We've we've done two already, and there's a lot of work that had to get done in the beginning. But now that that's done for the most part, and now it's just the ongoing running of the property, um, it's really given me a, a lot more time to focus on my business, to get it off the ground. I'm partnering with two other guys, which I'm very excited about. Uh, we met with a, a logo designer uh, yesterday. Um, uh, shout out to uh, Blue Collar Marketing in Ontario. Um, they're they're great you. guys. Um, Good job. Good job. So it's 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 an exciting time for 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 myself and for the two guys that I'm with too. So yeah, you have a great opportunity right now. And I think one of the things that we're seeing, you know, knowing Aaron, I met Aaron several years ago in California in a place in a mine site and the Diablo Mountain Range. And I was working for a startup at the time and he interviewed me, which I was trying to avoid. I was actually trying to uh, figure out how to contract for the drilling there, and it didn't work out. But 
It's because I have a drilling background. And so um, I'm up there and I get sucked in to something I didn't want to do. I didn't <laughs> want to be known for anything. I didn't want to be, because I, I had lived in a non-for-profit space. I'd been a pastor. I was sick of, of my own voice at the time. I was sick of my own face. I was just like trying to do a blue collar work, trying to feed my family. And I'm out there in California just trying to do a good job for the company I was working with. And my boss uh, just kind of gave me this nudge. The next thing I know, I'm in front of Aaron. And he said, he asked me a question and I had done theater in the past. So I knew I've also done some um, uh, solo projects or, you know, uh, for um, independent film work. And so, you know, and I was a writer and, and, and different things like that. So I knew the gig, you know, don't look at the camera, be concise. Yeah. So the first thing he asked me, he did one cut. He asked me several questions. And at the end of it, he said, okay, who are you? <laughs> he said you didn't look at the camera once you weren't nervous you were clear and concise your voice quality every he goes you've done this before and i said yeah actually i've done this a lot of times before okay. and we started a friendship from there and to see him to go from one guy and then um contracting another guy out of texas just to do some videography for him because he couldn't do it all and to yep. see it blossom into what he's doing now, it's been tremendous. And uh, I met Forrest in Vegas at ConAg one year. I was speaking at ConAg, and I get this tap on my shoulder, and I turn around, and it's Forrest. And now he and I talk once a week. As a matter of fact, today, he and I are going to have a conversation today about some logo work that he's doing for my organization. And so um, to see what you are doing and doing what, where you're at, but not only seeing what you're doing, but leveraging the fact that you have a blue collar background, number one, and you see the vision, you see it, you get it. And it's the idea that we are so hurting for the trades, but where you are at, are you guys struggling with that recruiting and retention like we are? Are you in that place where there's more work than we have workers and everyone's trying to get somebody, anybody through the door? If you're breathing and dragging one leg, we will consider you. Yeah. Yeah. So I actually, I, we, there's an, uh, there's an agriculture show going on at the moment and I went there yesterday and I actually had a chat with a guy who I know. Um, and he he's he was saying that exact same thing yesterday he said you know what? it's so hard finding young guys like they just need young energetic guys in in the work that they do um because it's you know you're you're lifting they're called jaw canopies they they um sell and manufacture like the canopies for the back of your pickup trucks and they yeah. also do portable portable uh canopies so putting that all together they want young guys young energetic guys and he said he's he's had it so many times where he interviews someone and he's like, hey, when do you want to start? They're like, two weeks. So he's like, sweet, two weeks, this date, 8.30 in the morning, see you there. And they 8.30 comes around, 9 o'clock comes around, they don't show up. And he's just like, I, like, he's like, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. And he has guys come and work for him for six months and then they leave. He's like, I'm, I feel like I'm doing everything right. Like, I, like he's, a, he's a great guy great culture in his business. Mm -hmm. He's got a couple of young guys working for him who are just go-getters. Like he's, he's got all the A players around him, but he's like retaining people. It's just, we just wish we all had a golden, like, boom, this is, this is how to fix it. Right. That golden right. ticket of like here, this is, this is how to go. Um, so I see, I see smaller, like he's a smaller business, like only a couple guys, like family run. So I see businesses like that, but then I also see, um, I'm, I'm also very good friends with a guy who's in a construction company um, and they have, 
they've done the coaching. They've they've invested time, money into the coaching side of things, and their culture is just um, mm-hmm. just amazing. And th- when when they send out a like when they're like, hey, we're hiring, they get people filling up those spots like crazy because they're they're like the small giant in the Fraser Valley of of construction workers and and uh, or construction management. And people love the culture that they have, like the, they, their values are like own it, crush it, love it. And they're just, they're all about that. And they carry that out in their work, but also in their daily life. So it's like, if you come across these people in your day-to-day life, it's, they're living out those values there as well as in their workplace. So it's, it's, it's interesting to see the two, the two differences, but yeah, it, the, the problem is, is here too, of like, we don't, we don't know what the answer is. It seems to be, yeah like all these businesses are trying to do it and it's and it's definitely an employee market now it's like the boss needs to be like hey what can we do for you how can we so it's actually a really like if if there's a young person who's in school and and they're just coming out of school it is honestly the opportune time to to go out and find a job because your boss will care for you and try to hold on to you as much as possible and it's not like you're going to be stupid about it and ask like hey i want everything from you know, a new truck to this, to that, to this, it's like, be respectful. And I think being respectful is a huge thing. Just being genuine, building those relationships. Don't like, if you're, if you're a a young buck, just coming out of school, don't start asking 30 bucks an hour for, for work. Like we all had to start somewhere and, and work our way up. Like for myself, I started at 1750 as a laborer and I, Mm -hmm. and I worked my way up to a foreman. Like that's, that's how the, 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 that's how it works in in life like you start here sweeping the floors and you work your way up through the company if if you're good and you invest back into the company what the boss is investing into you it, it it'll work out for you and the boss will will love you for it so it's it's things like that that um we really need to ch- start um trying to implement into our businesses i think um just because it's it's it makes sense because you're caring about your people and if right. you don't care about your people, like people aren't machines. You can't just be like, go forward, go back, go left, go right. Like, but Don, that's the template, brother. <laughs> if you're operating the excavator, that that's works. That's the way great. it's been for thousands of years, right? <laughs> I know. I know. These people, some will, some won't. Oh, well, I still get to have the nice vacation. Just get them in the door and get what that's, that's what we're, we've been taught. I know. I know. And, the, I was talking with someone else too, a, a custom home builder the other day, and he's like, the, the construction industry is so archaic. And it's like, we got to we gotta step it up. Like, we've been doing this for so many years, and all of these other inju- industries have just surpassed the construction industry in leaps and bounds with, like, marketing and advertising yeah. and, like, hey, come make a career in this industry. And the construction industry is like, we've had work on people for all this time, so we don't need to advertise anything. It's like... Uh, yeah, you do. We got a we got a people problem here, and it, like a labor shortage problem, and it's it's only going to get worse in the next ten years. So we right. we have to start we have to start advocating and advertising that you can make a a good living in the trades and in, right. in construction. So, yeah. When when I was a kid growing up, when I was a kid growing <laughs> up, no, right? When I was a kid growing up, it, there was no shame. I mean, everybody that I grew up with the kids had an IMI, which is a, a mining local mining uh, organization. They would have IMI hats on, or they would have Rogers Corp hats on because their dads worked there. Right. And it was like the cool kids had those, those hats. Right. Or I would, like my father worked for a company called Brehob electric and I would wear his hat. I would wear his work hat to, to school because it, we were proud 
of where our dads were working. There was no shame in that. The problem was the narrative at that time was you got to go to college. 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 And the colleges were doing their due diligence. And what they did was marketed themselves so well. It's unbelievable. They came to our schools. It's like the military with the recruiters coming in, you know, coming into the schools and they, they flooded us with information. And when we're kids, uh, even Mike, my, my, I have a daughter, she's 15 years old and colleges are sending her pamphlets even now from the most random of places. And she's 15. And yeah. so the craziest thing is the narrative for, for 30, 40 years was go to college. Don't work blue collar. You don't want to get stuck working blue collar. I know a guy right now who makes six figures a year as a driller. In limestone. Now, like you said, he started off as a worker. He started off as a guy who just entry level worked his way up. He's making six figures a year. He has three weeks vacation time. He has a sweet Corvette. It's 600 horses to the rear wheel on that thing. It shakes idling. I, it's, we rode it the other day and I was like, oh my God. I said, Darren, this thing scares the hell out of me. And uh, he just laughed and he's living a good life and he's worked hard and he loves it. And I think the thing that sucks is that we've poo-pooed on this for so long. Now we have to change the narrative without being narrative benders like the collegiate or like colleges were. Like, you know, instead of bending the narrative, we got to keep speaking truth and highlight these things. Because when I first started my business, Dylan, and you're going to see this when you start yours, is you're going to have clients come to you that you're going to realize they are not everything that they said they were. Mm -hmm. And they're going to want to, you, and I've literally had a client tell me this, Michael, can't you just make me look good? Because I don't want to actually be good. He literally said this to me. He owned five organizations. It was very lucrative. We needed the money as a business. We were just starting out. This was going to be a big deal for us. And he said, Michael, I just got a divorce and I want to stay this way. There's a reason why I got a divorce, he said. And I have no intentions of changing. Can't you just make me look good? And I was like, I remember looking at my wife going, I can't work for this guy. You can put lipstick on a pig, but it's still a pig. It's still a like, pig. Like you, and and that's the and that's the whole idea about this like redefining the construction industry is like you can make them look good on a website, but it's also about like changing the company from the inside out. Right. Like, you, can't, you can't just be like, hey, we're gonna change the outside and we're gonna make you look all pretty. And then you're like, hey, we're a great company. And someone comes in and they're like, This company is garbage. Like, I'm not gonna work for these people. They got right. they see everything on the outside, but their actions don't show it. It's right. Like, in in this circumstance, actions will speak louder than words, and people will, especially in the construction industry, people will find out pretty darn soon. Like they'll see oh, you yeah. through the BS. They're like, "Yeah, no, nah, this isn't this isn't working. I'm out of here. See ya." Right. Yeah. So we can't we can't just part of part of the the content creation and media business is like, you know, making making your you're making your business look nice. But at the same time, one of the guys that I'm partnering with, he's 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 he he worked in a, a business called Professional Leadership Institute. So they're involved in culture coaching and stuff like that too. So mm-hmm. our hope is that through through dealing with these companies and, and working with them, building relationships with them, we can we can implement some some things into their company that are like, hey, you you want to see changes in this? It's going to take time, 
Yes. It won't happen overnight. No. But and and you have to put in the work. It's a lot of hard work because you're going to have to make some hard decisions like get the right people in the right seats on the bus. Like you got to hire you got to hire this person and you got to fire this person to make it yep. work. Like you have to make some yep. tough decisions. But the companies that do that and they 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 do the hard things, it's like they they reap the rewards 2-3 years down the road. They'll look back be like, "You know what? We had a we had a decent okay company." And as soon as we started making differences in our in our culture and our people and investing in our people, they see the reward. They reap the rewards of that a couple of years down the track already. And I, I've seen that in a couple of businesses here in the Fraser Valley. And it's just really cool to see to see the journey of those businesses and be like, we care yeah. about our people. And the people just the the people love that because especially in this culture too, I'm like, people people are searching for something. Like they don't like People seem lost, and it's like if 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 someone cares about them, they're gonna latch onto that. They're gonna be like, "Hey, this person cares about me as a person." Um, in the culture nowadays, it's all very about me. Like, what, like I want to make myself. You know, I gotta I gotta be better. I gotta I gotta do this. Like all the advertisements are like, "Make yourself better. Do this. Do that. Do that." And it's all very self centered. Whereas if someone else is caring for you, and and being like, "Hey," We're gonna we're gonna take you in the company. We're gonna help you develop as a person. We're gonna help you grow. It's like, what do you want to do as a career? Like, we'll help you get there. That whole investment side of things into the into the people is like, it's it's life changing for some people because they they might have never had that before, right? They never had a mentor, and we're part of the. I I said this uh, in the last podcast. We are part of the the largest fatherless generation that we've ever seen in the world's history. The world's history. The history of the world. More people have less direction or know what to do. And when you are kindly wanting to help, unfortunately, on the manipulative side, yeah, I think a lot of people are catching on to that and they're capitalizing on that. But I think that on the actual nurturing side, the loving side, that side of integrity, that side of honor, and that's why our business was born, Borman Legacies. Borman Legacies was born for the purpose of helping businesses figure this out and lead. And we, one of the companies that we've worked with for three years now, and a lot of organizations feel like, okay, hey, if I can do this in six months, yeah, we'll, we'll sign up for six months. But I'm going to tell you, this is a three, four year process. And what we're seeing through the data with this organization that I've worked with for over three years now is that they have $6 million in CapEx right now. And the president of the organization said, Michael, the where I'm seeing this the strongest, he goes, it's crazy. He says, it's two sides, morale and production. He goes, our, our citations, they've went down. Our, our workman's comp. Uh, uh, situations. Uh, all those have went down. Everything's went down. So all the things we were spending on insurance, all the things that we were spending on hire, fire, and that revolving door, mm. he's like, it's unbelievable. And I worked for an organization one time and I, I went to their HR department and I said, hey, I just want to look at the cost that it took you to field one employee. I want your salary, the time you worked, recruiting, then hiring, signing them up, getting them into their 401k and their insurance and all that kind of stuff. And then I want to know how much it costs to hire them and then fly them out to the site you're sending them to. And once they quit flying them back and what we decided, what we figured out in a little over one quarter with all the people we were hiring, there was $80,000 spent 
for the time it took this HR employee to recruit, to sign on, to fly out, to train between uh, onboarding and training, task training and all that, $80,000. Wow. $80,000 for the amount of employees that were coming in and coming out alone. Now, we're not talking about they left in six months. We're talking they left within their 90-day period. Oh, wow. $80,000 because once they got to the site, they realized everything that they had seen online was a lie. Right. The leadership was not there. We were, we were claiming that we made work fun. I, I didn't know that. There was also other claims that I was unaware of that was swimming out there online about a quick advancement and all. Yes, it's quick advancement if you're willing to work hard, show up early, do the things that are integral to get you there. That part wasn't explained. It all seemed like Shangri-La and we were piling people in the seats like heck wouldn't have it. And they were coming and realizing, man, my foreman doesn't know how to lead. Our superintendent is an ass and he doesn't know how to lead. Look, I've been at six different sites all over the country, and I have absolutely each one has been a petri dish and different. And it's been, it's been hell. I'm out of here. I can't take this anymore. And this is what we do when we don't replicate those good things. When we don't usher in good, solid leadership, and the uh, our infrastructure crumbles. And what it used to be was everybody needed a job. They were willing to work wherever. They didn't care anymore. They just wanted to bring money in. Now we're in a place where even bad companies are forced to lead in a great way in order for them to move forward. It's either that or narrative bending yep. to get people in the seats. And so what I'm seeing with the companies that we work with, we're keeping people now. Because and you're we're 80 grand. <laughs> yes. And you're saving 80 grand. The companies that I work with now, now that I've been able to, to leverage those things with them for a couple of years, we are seeing the change. Like recruiting is not a problem now because the word is out, just like you said. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally on board with that. Like that whole idea of um, saying who you are means means that it is is night and day like if you advertise this and you're not people are going to see through that say see you later but if you advertise you've got a great culture we we invest in our people to lead we we have the like we will train you like person to person training um we'll invest in you as a company people people are coming there and they feel that like people will feel that right away yeah, they go to a site and and like you said, like they'll they'll fly out to a site and you walk on the site and no one looks at you or they treat you like a like a bag of dirt. It's like, well, this you guys said that you cared about me, but yeah. you're not. I'm not feeling any love here, right? So yeah, like you said, like they'll see through that right away and they'll say see you later. And that's a that's a huge cost to 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 companies and and that's the that's such a huge benefit for, for the coaching, like the culture aspect of things is, is that retainment. Cause yeah, you're, you're saving money instead of just having a swinging revolving door of just cash flow and people in and out and not actually building a team. It's like, you're able to, to have people come in, start them where they are, where, where they're at, and then grow them as an individual. And that revolving door is, is only turning one way then like people are coming in and not a whole lot of people are coming out. And yeah. you're saving money, you're investing in that, in that person, you're investing in those people. And 
by them staying and learning and being trained and onboarded properly, you as a company are, are, are growing, being more successful, turning over, you know, more dollars and, and profiting more because your people love what they do. They'll invest back into your company. They'll, they'll spend that extra time. Like if they, if they have to get that job done, they'll get it done because they know that the boss cares about them. So definitely fostering that, that culture, um, aspect in, in in the blue collar trades world is is huge. It's enormous, and it's it's the answer. Mm. I believe it because I've seen it. I've seen yeah. it. Now, of course, you know you're going to get some people that are sore heads and that are just they're not good people. And I hate yeah. saying that, you know, uh, like good and bad and all the. But actually, there's just people that have poor characters. It's <laughs> all about them, and it, it it it's nothing that you do will be enough. But then. Yep. For those that have integrity, those that have honor, those who recognize a powerful leader, those who recognize they're being nurtured, they're the ones that are going to matter. And they're the ones that are going to stay. And they're the ones that are going to push for you. They're the ones that are going to believe in you. They're the ones that are going to give their sword and their shield towards your endeavor diligently because you are striving for more. And the only reason why they're going to leave is to progress in their career for a new opportunity better than yours. And you can't blame anybody for that. Yep. And on the side of recruiting and retention, recruiters and headhunters right now are one of the big reasons why we have such a problem because they are unscrupulous. I have a good friend of mine, Michelle, she is a recruiter and she's one with integrity. She doesn't like, she doesn't recruit for organizations that are crap. She doesn't sell a false narrative for organizations. If you aren't the real deal, she does not push for you. But other than that, what I have seen is you have these hello marketing uh, people who are just absolute vultures on Instagram. They're looking for young. They're looking for progressive uh, they're looking for fast. They're looking for easy and they will if they can give you $500 more a month to cut someone's throat, they will, and they'll sell it to you like you're moving into Shangri-La. So we're seeing in the industry a lot of moving back and forth. People who jumped out of one thing and wishing they had never left is a big thing that's happening right now, yeah. here in the States anyway. It's happening here too. I, I had a discussion with a uh, a framer the other day. I was, out, I was out on a site and I was like, hey, like, what's what's your what's your retention and, and hiring like? He's like, well, I had a guy who's, who was with us. And then, uh, he went, he saw another company there's, they're paying more. So he's like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to leave. Like he was a, he's a great worker, like great foreman. He was, he was leading. He was, he was like the, the next guy down. And the, the, the boss was like, you know what? Go for it. Like, go, go check it out. And he went there and he realized very soon that the grass was not greener on the other side. Like, yeah. Even even though he was getting paid a little less in in this in in the company that he was with, <clears throat> when he jumped ship to that other company to to go and find better pastures, he he realized he's like, man, these people don't care. Like I'm getting treated like garbage. And he actually he came back to the to the to the yeah. first company. It was like, hey, I'm I'm back. And and the and the owner was like, okay, sweet, let's sit down. What can we do? What can we do to help you? like stick around, um, encourage you, like, how can we, how can we better and further your career here? So that's it's, integrity. It's that, it's that dialogue too, right? Like that yep. transparency and that communication between the, the, the employees and the employer, like 
you can't as a you can't as a boss just you know point and say do this and and back in the day it used to be like that like point and do this but instead of just pointing and, and pointing and saying do this you have to involve them in the process yeah. because people um people invest in what they create and and if you involve them in that creative process of like this is why we're doing this and this is why we're doing this people will start to realize oh that's why we do this okay that makes more sense in my head because a lot of the times like corporate is making decisions up here and it funnels through all the funnels through all the the levels of hierarchy in a business i guess and the guy on the floor is just doing his day to day but if the guy on the floor sees the process and sees how he is affecting the bottom line and 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 see how he's affecting like everything from the bottom up if mm -hmm. you involve those people in that process, they're like, hey, this is this is great. I actually feel purpose for what I'm doing because I can see what 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 I'm affecting in the whole business. But if you're just if you're just like a nine to five, you go to work, you go home, that that's that there's just an endless purposelessness of of what yeah. they're doing. Right. So if you yeah. if you give people a purpose, like we're 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 built to work. We're we were created to work. Yeah. And if if you don't give that purpose to work and if you're just doing a, a, a normal nine to five and you're, you're not thinking about anything and you're not, you don't have the purpose of like, Hey, I'm making a difference in the world. It's yeah. If, if you create that culture and that, that uh, atmosphere where it's like, we're going to involve you in that process of, yeah. of making a difference. That person will, will, will love that. I, I, I think that's the, that's one of the, the keys to success too, is, is transparency in a business is huge. Well, there's, I think too, one of the things that skilled us for a long time was the, the, the template was you get an idea, then you loan up heavy or you get investors and you take off. So the idea of starting small and humble is not in, on the, on the cards. No, you gotta, you gotta start big or not at all. Mm. And then when you do that, you have to feed a monster. And when you're feeding the monster of debt, and investors, your organization is never yours. Mm -hmm. And so when you're feeding that monster, I remember a president of an organization is saying, I'm like, okay, what, when I was mapping, I was hiring lots of people, like 300. I was employee 24. And by the end of the year, we or year and a half, we had 300 employees. And I asked him, I said, all right, what's the culture of the people that we were looking for? What are kind of people are we looking for? What are we, what are we striving to build here? And he's like, breathing, breathing. That's what we want right now is breathing. It's because he had to feed the monster immediately. Now, I'm not saying there was something wrong with him. He was in a hard place and he had to face some really hard truths and realities because guess what? The, the bank said, okay. And now the bank says, I want my money back. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not saying what he did was bad or wrong. But what I'm saying is people now are sick of being a part of that. And that when you are trying to leverage debt, but it's causing you it to kill your culture and you're just trying to get whoever in the seats and you're not guiding people and you're dude, it just comes out in every aspect. It comes out in your safety. It comes out because when people realize you don't love them, you don't actually care. And it's just another job. They're immediately disengaged. There's something within the human subconscious well deep within the psyche of you don't care about me. Now I must protect myself and shut off a part of me. So you are automatically disengaged and you don't even know it. Mm. 
There are things you are unaware of that you are doing that you don't even know that are running well within the subconscious of your mind. So immediately, if you're mistreated at work, you have no choice as a human being, your primal self, to shut off a certain part of you and you're immediately disengaged. And people wonder, well, why is my EMR, my experience modification rate up? Why is my tripper rate up? Why are these workman comp cases up? Why We're trying to do everything right here. We've got a safety director. He's like a, a Nazi out there. He's just <coughs> drilling everybody. Well, it's because they're disengaged to a point that's within their subconscious because they know ultimately if they passed away or quit, you would walk over their dead body and move on and not care. And that has got to stop. I could not agree more with what you said. You've got to give people a purpose with, and you've got to give them a vision. There's an old saying, and I believe you know it is, the, uh, without a vision, the people will perish. Mm. Yeah. Without a vision, the people will perish. And yeah. without vision within an organization, without a purpose, without a, hey, this is how we progress. This is how we move forward. We've actually got an emotional infrastructure here where we're trying to care for you, grow you, nurture you. Your company is always going to have the problems that you face with recruiting and retention and with safety over and over and over. And you'll just sit there and scratch your head and be reactive within your organization and, and add to the Petri dish of hell that people mm -hmm. go through in working at bad jobs. Yep. Yep. Totally. Yeah. One of the, uh, one of the construction owners, the construction uh, management companies that I know here, he's like, I, I was talking with him uh, a couple months back and he said, he's like, you, you might look at me and think, you know, I don't do a whole lot of work and I don't, <laughs> he's, he's the owner of the company and he, all he does is just, he, he, he talks with the, his employers. Like, he has meetings with him like he just hey we're having a meeting in our office or i'm going out to site and he just talks to his people yep. like he he's at a point now in his business where he's put people in the right in the right spots so that yep. they're just running the business for him and yep. and he he can sit there and actually care about his people yep. and like that that company has just done fantastic things for the people in their company they've got a great They've got a great culture and it, it's, it's such a, it's such a cool thing to see and just sit back and, and, and see everyone in that company, the, all those employees just be like, like talk super highly of their, of their boss. Yeah. It's because he spends that time with them, connecting with them. Hey, how are you doing at home? How are you doing in your family life? Like asking those questions of like, I care about you. I want to help you build as or grow as a person. So breaking down those walls, like you said, like that vulnerability aspect of, of being and like the I don't know if you've heard of open book management too, like being transparent with all the books as well, like yeah. seeing how all the people are affecting the bottom line, all of those things. It's like when when people when people see that someone is being vulnerable to them, those walls come tumbling down right away. Yeah, um, I've, I've also seen that in, in my own life with uh, here here at the Bible camp. It's like all these kids, you know, they're, they're, they're struggling with, with things. And we've, we've all struggled with, with lots of things growing up. Um, and, 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 um, I won't sh share too many details, but some of the ones uh, yeah, obviously. that I have, it's, it's like, Hey, I, I share my own experiences, what I struggled with. And as soon as you do that, you, you break down that barrier and those kids, you, you build a deeper relationship and connection with those kids right away because yeah. they're like, Hey, <laughs> this guy who's who seems like he's got his life together 
went through the same struggles that I did, yeah. that, that means a lot to them. So they latch onto that right away, even at a young age. Like it's, it's like you said, it's like, it's, it's psycho, like it's psychologically in our heads. We'll, we'll, it's, it's just a reaction to this person is vulnerable to me. So I feel comfortable and safe enough to be vulnerable with them. And that's such a huge thing. That's in, that's in all of life, mm-hmm. like in your relationships with your friends, with your wife or husband, with your kids, with, uh, in your business, like in, in every situation, it's like, if you, if you open up and you are willing to share and be vulnerable, people will, people will give that back. It might not be right away, but building that trust, building that foundation is, is, is huge. Um, and, uh, uh, Dylan, you're, you're killing it right now. You're killing it. You're speaking my heart, man. You're speaking my language. Uh, everything I've learned, brother, I learned from seven years of being a children's pastor and associate pastor and, and building a camp and everything I've learned about people. I learned in nature from those two things. I learned from children and mother nature, and it has helped me to corner the market and, uh, coaching on such a deep level that I'm seeing people's lives radically change and their businesses radically change. And it's all about the the heartbeat of what you just said. Mm. I'll never forget a kid crying at a camp. We had a, a two-week camp, but uh, the first week was prep where we brought teens to come in to help children. Then the next week, we trained them for a week, and it was all outdoors. We had horseback riding and BB guns and archery, and we had cool. you know playing in the creek and swimming and the whole deal, and we had a, a movie that we did for the, the whole thing. And the kids got to catch the bad guys. It was like a funny Western and, and, and Very cool. all, all this stuff. It was really fun. And I remember a kid crying and just because he ate so well at the camp for the lunch (laughs) like we gave him snack and then we gave them a lunch and he cried because he never had eaten so well i remember kid yeah i remember kids crying and seeing them just walking and crying i'm always you know reaching out there and we're talking you know we're we've got several hundred people here this camp wasn't some little rinky dink thing and i'd show up and i'd ask a kid is everything okay and he's like i'm crying but i'm happy and i don't understand it because he's so young he didn't understand that people were there to care for him just for the sake of caring for him and his life at home sucked so bad yeah what i learned from this is that in the workplace in the blue collar world we are the home because Mm. they are with us more than they are at home yeah they're right. more in the field with us and they give more of themselves physically than they do for their own wife, their own children, their own husband, mm-hmm. their own children. We got a lot of single moms, a lot of single dads out there that are struggling and fighting and doing everything that they can to provide for their families responsibly. It is time for us as leaders to rise to such an occasion, to rise to such an ability and leadership and well-roundedness within ourselves to help society the blue collar world is the greatest ministry that the world has ever seen. The likes of which the world has ever seen. It is the greatest place to help other people. And every leader with the, that has any integrity at all must see that their position is changing the world. I don't care if you got four people that work for you or 4,000 people that work for you. You are literally have the ability to change the world just on how you lead teach and train your people. Dylan, I could not thank you. I think that you enough, you would this, this uh, conversation, I had no idea where it was going to go because like I told you in the beginning, what I wanted to do was highlight what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted this opportunity to highlight what you're doing. And and, um, I am so pleased. So I didn't like prepare like the last one I prepared questions and most 
podcasts, I do that, but I had this in my gut. I'm like, no, I'm going to let this dude just kind of share his heartbeat and, and let's see what happens. And so this, I could not be more happy. I could not be more pleased. Everybody look, thank you for joining us again for another Legacy Quest podcast. Remember, guys, you have an opportunity to lead in life, no matter where you are in the queue of leadership in your organization or your family. You have an opportunity to be the catalyst to change for a positive. All you must do is decide to do the next right thing. And when you decide to do the next right thing, no matter how much that bothers you, no matter how much that inconveniences you, no matter how much that might hurt you, if you do the next right thing, my friends, you will embark on building a legacy that will far surpass your legend and inspiring others to do the same. Thank you so much, Michael. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. I this, this is not our last conversation. It is not. <laughs> Thanks for having me. What's up, everybody? Love you guys. Check this out. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Legacy Quest podcast. As always, we are brought to you by Bowman Legacies, making life better for the blue-collar worker one CEO at a time. Whether that's leadership development, personal development, or organizational culture, Bowman Legacies is the consultancy for you. Guys, again, thank you so much for being patient with all the changes that we make as we're striving to build this thing into a machine, a podcast, if you will, that will inspire others to build that kind of legacy that far surpasses their legend. And this is our hope, our hope and our desires today that we've encouraged you in some way, shape or form. Real quick, if there's any kind of information or there's a subject you would like for me to talk about, reach out to me on LinkedIn at Michael Bowman. That's M-I-K-E-L, Michael, spelled like Mickle, but it's Michael Bowman, B-O-W-M-A-N. Come and DM me, talk to me about some of the things you would like to hear about on this podcast so we can spread the message of hope, we can spread the message of personal development, and we can spread the message of it's okay to be blue collar and leverage some advocacy for the blue collar world. Thanks again. You guys have a great week.